0: Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, reversing insulin resistance and achieving nutritional peace with Shanna Housin.
1: With women, I'm almost always increasing their protein because almost all of them are not eating enough and that's not a focus for them and and we've been sowing grain with the plant base and i don't have issues with people eating plants it's just they're not eating protein and natural fats which are the foundations of hormone building and building neurotransmitters and building our bodies basically that they're going to be ill and hungry
0: I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper. Thank you for pressing play today. I'm your host, Ben Azadi, and you can learn more about me over at BenAzadi.com. Today, we have registered dietitian, Shanna Hewson who is the author of an awesome book called Fast to Heal, which we're going to dive into. She also is the host of the Fast to Heal Stories podcast. I was blessed to be a guest on that podcast. We get into her backstory. 15 plus years as a conventional dietitian, transitioning into becoming a health coach and unlearning a lot of the things she learned that was wrong, which is the conventional approach to achieving optimal health. You're also going to hear a really heart-wrenching, inspirational story about her son who became ill with ulcerative colitis and what she did to help her son, what she did to help her health, some of her findings along the way with The Obesity Code, Dr. Joe Marcola's work. And you're also going to hear a small study she did with 20 clients and the amazing progress they made in 12 weeks. And then we get into her book, Fast to Heal. She has an amazing acronym titled PEACE. Prepare your body for fasting, extend your fast, alter nutrition as needed, clean, challenge and change and ease your mind. We'll get into each of those and some actionable steps you can take today to achieve incredible results. You're going to hear why she loves changing things up like a great personal trainer, why she loves fasting, feasting, protein, fat, and so much more. This is a very important conversation for those who are struggling with obesity, being overweight. Insulin resistance, diabetes, etc. You're going to get a lot from today's conversation. Before I bring it on, I want to take a minute here to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This five-star review comes from G R H R C E F R H, titled "The Best." I love love the Keto Camp podcast. I can tell Ben really cares about people's health and well-being. Heart emoji. Heart emoji. emoji. (laughs) Not only does he share excellent professional groundbreaking experts in nutrition and physical health, Ben offers great pathways and advice for quality mental and well-being health. I love the fact that every episode gives relevant information that can be implemented day one. I implement a new technique or skill after each podcast. That is so awesome. I love that. One thing is to get the information. Another thing which is much better is to take action. And you are an action taker. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave that rating and review and for listening. And kudos to you for taking action because information doesn't change anybody's lives. If information changed your life, we'd all be rich, thin, and a celebrity. (laughs) It's the application of the right information. And I believe we bring Incredible information on the Keto Camp Podcast. Three new episodes a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and we're going to continue at that pace. If you have not left the Keto Camp Podcast, a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to today, please do so right now. Hit pause and leave that rating and review. I may even read your rating and review on the next episode. I want to give you a heads up. I have a keto webinar coming up in just a few days. It's free where I'm going to dive deep into the four secrets to keto, whether you're new or somebody who has been doing keto for quite some time. You'll learn about keto flexing, the right fats to eat on keto versus the worst fats, how to support your liver to break down the fat, and so much more. It's free and you can get signed up over at ketosismasterclass.com. We will also drop a link down below. That is ketosismasterclass.com. Before I bring on Shanna, I want to get to the sponsor for today's episode. Did you know there's actually beverages that can supercharge your fasting results? My favorite, which is a keto powerhouse, is apple cider vinegar. There's a ton of research showing apple cider vinegar has been beneficial for boosting your metabolism, suppressing appetite, reducing fat storage. That's because apple cider vinegar contains acetic acid, which is a short-chain fatty acid that's been shown to promote weight loss in those ways. Also, apple cider vinegar is one of the best ways to balance your blood sugars. A study showed apple cider vinegar improved insulin sensitivity after high carb meals up to 34%. We also know that apple cider vinegar stimulates digestion, acts as a bile stimulant to help break down the fat you're eating on keto. Another research study showed apple cider vinegar protects against mineral depletion. If you're like me, you probably don't like the taste of apple cider vinegar, I think it tastes disgusting. That's why my go-to is Paleo Valley's Apple Cider Vinegar Complex. This is an organic blend of apple cider vinegar and four more gut and health supportive superfoods. I take this before my meals. I take it before coffee. And this enhances my fast and my blood sugar regulation. You'll find it contains organic apple cider vinegar, organic turmeric, organic ginger, organic Ceylon cinnamon, and organic lemon. Since you are a listener of the Keto Camp podcast, we worked out an exclusive discount code for you to get the Apple Cider Vinegar Complex capsules and all of the products over at Paleo Valley. All you need to do is head to paleovalley.com and use the coupon code KETOCAMP15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order. By the way, they got delicious beef sticks and an awesome organ meat complex. Go check them out, paleovalley.com. That is KetoCamp15 at checkout. We'll also drop a link down below in the show notes. Okay, let's have an amazing conversation with Shanna Houston. Shanna Houston, registered dietitian, has worked in the medical nutrition therapy field for 20 years. Like most dietitians, she recommended strategies to her clients for much of her career that failed them long-term. After discovering new weight loss and healing concepts, she developed a five-step nutritional peace program for her clients, resulting in immediate and sustained success. Determined to share correct and simple concepts with as many as she could reach, she wrote this simple step-by-step book, which we're going to outline today, and she saw more success with clients over one year using unconventional nutrition therapy methods than she did in 20 years using standardized methods. Here is Shanna Hewson. Shanna Husson, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, Ben.
0: The pleasure is mine and it will soon be the pleasure of the Keto Campers listening. I was on your podcast recently, Fast to Heal. And your book is also called Fast to Heal, which we'll talk all about fasting and how you used fasting to heal yourself and many of your clients and patients. But our end, I should say, before we get to that, you've got a couple of inspirational stories. One of them, is regarding your son, who got really sick at an early age, and uh, share a little bit about what happened and uh, the conventional approaches that were given to you and your son, and why that failed both of you, and what you did to overcome that.
1: Yeah, his story, like he's seriously my biggest hero at this point in my life with everything that he's gone through. My son is now 16, but he fell very ill when he was just 10 years old. So he out of the blue just started having diarrhea one day. Like it was it was really crazy. He had been a really healthy kid up until that point. All my children, we were we've been blessed with very healthy children. We've always tried to put good fuel into their bodies. I had been working in the conventional system as a dietitian for about 15 years up until then. I was starting to question some things around the time that he got sick. So the timing was all really interesting. So he got ill in 2016 in the spring. And like I said, he just started having diarrhea and we did not think much of it at all. We thought it was a little bug. We thought, you know, this will pass in a couple of weeks. And we actually went on vacation. And then we were all staying in a hotel room together. We have, my husband and I have three children I noticed he was still having diarrhea and a month had like a, about a month had gone by. I'm like, dude, like this is we got to get this checked out when we get home. So, he underwent a whole bunch of testing and at this point we we still weren't thinking much. We thought he had some sort of virus or, you know, maybe food poisoning that was kind of lasting a little bit longer than expected and After he started to get test after test showing up negative, like we tested him for all of the foodborne illnesses, all of that came back negative. And my husband and I were starting to kind of panic a little bit and and look deeper into what this could be and try not to let our our minds go too far. But ultimately, three months after he started having symptoms, he had a colonoscopy done and he was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. And at the time, it's like I'm a dietitian, but I did not specialize in inflammatory bowel disease and ulcerative colitis as a form of IBD or inflammatory bowel disease and very terrible. And he had a severe case. You know, some, some cases aren't very severe. Crohn's disease is the other um, form of IBD. But we were floored. I was like, oh my gosh, my he was then 11 by the time he was diagnosed, but very healthy kid, very athletic kid. And it was very devastating because he was a thin kid to begin with. He had lost a whole bunch of weight. He's in multiple sports and was having trouble keeping up with sports and practices and, and just being 11. Did
0: his personality um, change uh, during the, that, those three months?
1: Yeah, a little bit. He definitely just less energy. Um, he was always one of those kids. It, it's funny because he was, he's like me. Like He was always up early. And from the time he was like five or six years old, he'd get up and watch ESPN. <laughs> just mm-hmm. like look at all of the, the sports, whatever he had missed overnight and just stop doing that. Wasn't real, wasn't happy about going to practice because he was always afraid he was going to have to go to the bathroom. So the first thing that they did, the gast- the gastroenterologist was put him on prednisone because that's what conventional the conventional system would do. And by this time I had kind of, started to look heavy into nutrition. I'm like, well, it's got to be linked, right? Like IBD, it's food, he's, you know, th- th- there's got to be some link here. And of course, his gastroenterologist, which, who's a very kind man, and I know that he he wanted my son's name as Hunter to get well, but just kept telling us that that food had nothing to do with this disease. And so he went on prednisone and, and Pretty instantly got better. It's a, a pretty good band-aid for all sort of colitis. but as soon as he would start weaning off, the symptoms would come back. So we went through a couple of other medications that were, I don't know if you want to call them low tier medications, kind of the, the first first line of meds that they're going to try for IBD and they did nothing. And then I put them on what is called the specific carbohydrate diet or the SCD diet. And it's similar to like a paleo diet in that you can't eat any sort of processed food, no sugar, no grains, but there's no limits to like nuts or fruit or any any of that sort of thing. And we were pretty healthy eaters already. So, but that transition kind of stressed our whole household out because I had to make all of our food. He was still in sports going to, you know, tournaments on the weekends and me having to pack a cooler full of food, which was fine with me. But when you're 11, 12, you don't want to be different from the other kids. So it was a hard time, but he wasn't getting better nothing was helping. And by this time, he'd lost a ton of weight. He was starting to, to kind of fall down the height and weight charts. And fast forward a year, he actually got hospitalized from being in a very severe flare and he had a concussion. It's just he just went through some some really rough things but while he was in the hospital a, a different pediatric gastroenterologist talked to us about taking his colon out and he was 12 and a half i'm like I, no mm-hmm. he's it's crazy and i'd say and i'd ask questions and by this time i'd started to do a deep dive into anything that this could be linked to parasites vaccines you know water quality of food glyphosate all well, like I was looking heavy, and he came in and, and said, "You know, you may need to prepare for a, taking his colon out." And I asked him, kind of as a last ditch, I was in like a parent forum with a bunch of parents with kids with IBD. You know, like what about an antibiotic protocol? Like this came on so suddenly, and they had completely dismissed the the infection part that this played for my son and he was in the hospital for five days and wasn't getting better. And then they agreed to let, let us try like a, an antibiotic cocktail, of four different antibiotics. And within two days, his diarrhea stopped. He was a different kid, but the doctors would only put him on it for six weeks because it wasn't part of the conventional therapy. So as soon as he weaned off, symptoms came back. We went through a whole nother year of, of him struggling. And by this time, he was in eighth grade and one of the smallest kids in his class. By the time he was a freshman, he was five four and barely 100 pounds, just wow. tiny and still struggling to play all his sports. And so we ended up, I was just researching anything that I could grab onto to save his colon. And I came across a team of doctors led by Thomas Barodi in Australia who believe in the infection theory of Crohn's and colitis. And they kind of took us under their wing, thank God, and gave us a protocol. And believe me, I I know what Antibiotics due to the gut and the microbiome, but by that time he was so far gone with an infection that was taking over his body that that antibiotic protocol pulled him out of flare within a couple of weeks, and he stayed on low dose antibiotics for a couple of years, and now has been off all medications. He's 16, he's almost six feet tall <laughs> anyway. Wow. Um, about 145, he's still a thin kid, but it's, it's a genetic thing. My husband was kind of built like him, mm-hmm. but we definitely had to go out of the conventional system in order to seek help, which is kind of what started me down my whole path of where I am now. And to this day, I still will have a follow-up with his original gastroenterologist, pediatric gastroenterologist, like once a year just so he can see how well he's doing and how well he's thriving like we don't really see him other than that but thankfully we have an integrative doctor in the area who was wonderful and I pass along many people to her because she helped us get this therapy for him and there's a lot of things a lot of crazy things that we had to do in order to get this therapy to him um you know working international and sending blood international I mean it, yeah. was, it was a crazy story but ultimately it's like when you're a mother I've heard the I've heard the term before like when you're a mother of a kid with you know don't question a mother of a kid who has an autoimmune illness because you know you go down just about Every rabbit hole, you're going to go down trying to get your kid well. So so yeah, that's his story, doing well and thriving now. But I I always wonder if he'd have a colon right now if I had let the conventional system take over his care in the way that they wanted to take over.
0: Yeah, he probably wouldn't have his colon. And, and it's so common, right? That's the solution. The solution is to remove a body part or keep you on certain medication for a long period of time and, and rely on the medication, which leads to other symptoms and other problems. So kudos to you for doing whatever it takes, you and your family to figure it out. Uh, the mama bear <laughs> went into action there.
1: It was strong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, um, I mean, it
1: was so stressful. I mean, there was... I could imagine. I had to give up so many times and just didn't know what to do. But yeah, you, you got it. If it were me, I probably would have just given in and had a surgery, but when it's your kid, Mm -hmm. you you do whatever you need to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. I mean, that's too young to be even dealing with any of that. Does your son Hunter follow any nutrition protocol now that helps with his, uh, any (laughs) flare-ups that might come up?
1: I wish that (laughs) followed a more, he, I mean, we eat a lot of whole foods at home. Definitely. I mean, when he's eating what I prepare, he eats very well. He loves those foods, but he's 16. He drives. You know, I don't have control over everything he puts in his mouth anymore. In fact, I, I just made an Instagram post on this a couple of days ago. I went out to start his car in the morning because it's we live in Wisconsin, it's really cold, and I saw all this crap in his back. So <sighs> am like what are you doing? He's like, well, people make fun of the snacks that you pack me. I'm like, well, so it's like he has to deal with that yet. And I think there's just some maturity that needs to happen, you know, in order for him. But he loves, he loves healthy, real food. He's been brought up on it. Uh, But no, he doesn't. He can basically tolerate anything now. He eats, I would say, probably 80% clean food and 20% not (laughs) What I would love him to eat, but we kept him gluten free at least for a long time, and then he's still like a, when he's at home there's there's no grains, no gluten, very little sugar, but like I said, I'm he's he's out of my control at times too yeah
0: well he's he's eating better than I did at that age. It wasn't until I was twenty four that I got my act together nutritionally right. so you're that's your son's story, hunter, and then that kind of <laughs> raised some questions for you being. A dietitian in that conventional space for 15, uh, over 20 years, right? Over 20 years, you've kind of been in. Yeah. So that raised questions for you. And then what was it like? Like, were you having your own personal struggles with weight? I know that you'd ran marathons. And at what point did you realize, okay, what I've been taught, it's not working? And I think I'm doing my community a disservice and you've made a pivot. So how did that happen?
1: Yeah. I was in the field for about 10 years before I started to question things. I graduated from college in 99 and my internship in 2000. So that's like the epitome of the low fat crazy. So that was very indoctrinated in me. And I ate terribly in college and early 20s, not in the sense of eating a lot of junk, but eating very low fat, mostly plants, the dressings that I would put on my salads were low fat. And if they did have fat in them, there were seed oils. So I was doing what I thought was really healthy and I was eating the whole grains and eating the oatmeal and eating when I got up and, you know, as soon as I got up in the morning and about 10 years in, I, my clients, my patients, by that time I had transitioned into the health coaching area of, of a local institution and I was health coaching employees and they just, they weren't getting better. Like I would do their health assessments from year to year and nothing. Nothing changed. And they, you know, a lot of them were following programs that I had laid out for them and my own health was starting to deteriorate. I developed some pretty severe bloating after college and into my 30s and like you mentioned I I was running marathons and half marathons. I was exercising like crazy, but my health, and and also after the birth of my third son, who's now 13, my third baby, I had canker sores in my mouth all the time, and I could not figure out why, and some people have never had them, which I'm like, oh, that's a blessing to you, because I would have like four or five in my mouth at one time, just, they're very painful, it's like all you think about all day. Yeah. And so anyway, I'm like, there's got to be something to this. I eliminated so many foods, but of course I didn't eliminate seed oils. I didn't know. I didn't know how inflammatory they were. I was eliminating meats, of course. I'm like, oh, go vegan first. That was like the worst six weeks ever. (laughs) (laughs) I've been there. Oh, I was bloated all day, every day. I felt terrible. I had no energy. Um you know, some, I think a small subset of people can thrive on that, but I I definitely wasn't one of them. I eliminated gluten. I eliminated all kinds of things, dairy, and I just was not getting better. Um, so yeah. So it was like now about 15 years into my career, I I was, I actually was like, "I, I can't do this anymore. When Hunter got sick and I started to look at all of the possibilities, I I just, I'm like, I can't be in this industry right now. And I actually left and I focused on getting him well. And thankfully I could do that. And then I also, I was a substitute teacher in the school district for three years just because it worked well with our schedule and I wanted to do something. And that was a a huge, (laughs) interesting experience as well. But yeah, I left the system studied up as much. I didn't know if I was ever going to go back. I'm like, I just, there's so much conflicting information. I don't know that I can go back into that world. So I kind of just left. And then in 2018, um, you know, I'm a podcast junkie. I've listened to yours forever. I've listened to all, you know, kind of the holistic leaders in the space. And so many of them would talk about intermittent fasting and me being trained in the conventional system. I'd be like, I would just put a wall up (laughs) every time somebody would talk about it. Like, I don't know how that can be healthy. How do people just not eat during the day? You know, I was one of those people, I was a sugar burner for sure. If I was running in the morning, if it was five o'clock, I was eating something before my run because I thought that I had to, you know, so I'd be eating for the better part of the day, snacking and healthy snacks, of course, was, was what I thought. But, ugh, I just, I was running a ton and exercising, but I couldn't figure out like my weight was managed during my like thirties, forties, but I had to work really hard. Like I was running at least 20 miles a week. I was strength training. I was, you know, doing everything that I thought. And when I struggled with my weight it was in college and struggled, I struggled big time. There's pictures in my book, but that was when I was eating late at night. I was eating a ton of seed oils. I was doing inflammatory things <laughs> to my body. I live in Wisconsin, so I'm not going to pretend there's not a, a culture of beer drinking here, especially at the colleges. So I was basically trashing my body. And I think it just, it took its toll. Having three kids in five years, you know, all of those things just kind of put me in my own health crisis and took took a long time to figure it out. But it wasn't until I started implementing an intermittent fasting and really dialing back on carbohydrate intake and increasing my protein and natural fat intake that it was like a couple of months that I was really healing. The bloating went away. The canker sores were going away. I was sleeping better. I got really excited. And at that time I was working at just a a really small GI clinic um, part-time and I'd finally given intermittent fasting a try and couldn't believe how how much healing I saw and I thought, well, if, if I'm doing most of the right things, <laughs> imagine what this can do for people who have a lot more poor habits than I have, how much healing they can see. So that's when I did like just a real small study at the clinic I was working at of 20 people.
0: I want to take a quick break here to share with you about the dangers So we know that cellular health is key for performance and longevity. So I've been taking Pureform every single day. My dog takes it every single day. So does my girlfriend and my mom. This is how much I love the product. If you want to get your bottle delivered to your door, head over to purelifescience.com. Check them out. Order a bottle or two and you'll be amazed by how you feel after taking this just after a few days. That is Pureform life science.com. use the coupon code ben4 to apply a four dollar off coupon that is ben b-e-n and the number four international shipping is available okay let's go back into this episode of the keto camp podcast
1: yeah let's share
0: about that that's pretty cool so you did a, a, a study on how many people
1: 20 people 12 mm-hmm.
0: week study right so i have that in my notes so uh, share what did you do with them and what were the results
1: yeah, so we basically just, I educated them on intermittent fasting, and we started really slowly. We did like 14 hours for two weeks, 16 hours. And by the time they were at their 12 weeks, we were doing 18 hours most days. We weren't even, and and they could do a challenge day is what I call them, and um, I have that in my book as well. But they could do a 24-hour challenge day if they wanted to, but they didn't have to. And so they were basically just doing an 18-hour fast. And then we were really focused on whole foods. We didn't even completely eliminate all the grains and sugar. We were doing low carb, under 100, but we weren't, you know, it wasn't super strict diet. It was just whole food and intermittent fasting. And the results I saw, I, I could not believe it. Every single person who followed the guidelines saw some benefit. There's one guy who lost 30 pounds wow. in the 12 weeks. Another lady lost like 18. And these were not people in their 20s. <laughs> like these were 50s, 60s. I think there might have even been one lady in her 70s who amazing and weight cycling their entire life. So the results were amazing. I remember this one lady, my, f- my favorite story from that study is she came in for like her third follow up and she's like, Well, hey, Shanna. I'm not binge eating at night anymore. And I'm like, I didn't know you were a binge eater. <laughs> She's like, oh, well, I was too embarrassed to tell you at the beginning, but I don't have that. After 30 years, I, I don't wait for my wow. husband to go to bed and raise the pantry. <laughs> Amazing! I was like, I love that. I'm so glad yeah. you shared it with me.
0: Yeah. I
1: can't help you if you're not honest with me, just so you know. For
0: the <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's a huge victory. The binge eating. I see a lot of people who do fasting and keto and overcome these binge eating. 30 years, you mentioned this woman and in 12 weeks or less, she overcame that. I mean, that's that's powerful.
1: Yes. She was a grandma. She's like, I can get down on the floor and play with my granddaughter now. And I go to bed satisfied, she's like I, every single night I waited for my husband to go to bed. He had no idea I was a binge eater either. I'd wait for him to go to bed and then I would be in the kitchen. So wow. yeah, it was, it was huge. So like I said, they weren't young people. I mean, some of them were, but a lot of them were, you know, older people who were just making some really simple changes.
0: Amazing, yeah. So, and then I know you got into like Dr. Jason Fung's work uh, with the obesity code. You even referenced in your book Dr. Thomas Seafried, who has some great research on ketones and autophagy. You talk about autophagy in your book. So you ended up writing this book. It's called Fast to Heal: A Five-Step Guide to Achieving Nutritional Peace and Reversing Insulin Resistance. You have a great acronym in the book that uh, I want to get into each different letter and maybe give some tips. Uh, A couple of tips from each letter, but don't give it away at all because we want the keto campers. They will get the book, which is available on Amazon. We'll put a link down below. But the acronym is PEACE. So let's—I have it in my notes what it means, but I'd like for you to explain what each letter means and then uh, two takeaways or two actionable steps that the listeners can do from each letter.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, like you said, I I read the obesity code while I was working in the GI clinic. That's what started all of this. Like so many people and so many practitioners read that book and it's just a, a total awakening. And, you know, almost 20 years into what I thought was weight management and weight management coaching was all a lie basically. And, you know, I was, I was ticked. I'm like, Oh, I wish I could go back and, and reteach everybody that I had taught, but I couldn't. So I love the obesity code, but I think some people who don't have any sort of health background or medical background can get a little blown away (laughs) with it
0: because it Yeah, it could be a difficult read. Yeah.
1: I love it. Like I I still go back and, and reference it. But I wanted to put like a really applicable book on fasting together, share my personal story of you know how I found healing with it and you know how I was trained in the conventional system and really had blinders on for a lot of my career and just so many dietitians and doctors just think people aren't following through with whatever you're telling them but it's it's what you're telling them <laughs> that they're that that's the problem them. yes and so you know i just that was a a whole awakening for me and i'm i'm so glad that i read that book and just got started down this path, but the PEACE acronym is um, a five-step approach, and so the P stands for prepare. Prepare your body. So, what we do in that step is just prepare our body for fasting before we even try to. You know, some people are gonna are gonna hear about fasting and be like, "Okay, I'm doing a 48 hour fast tomorrow," <laughs> and they're going to struggle. And so, in that section we talk all about preparing our bodies, like getting the junk out of your system as much as possible, trying to eat more whole foods, trying to get your carbohydrates down so that your body can start adapting to using a different fuel being ketones and fat burning in that step before anything else. And so most people generally spend about two weeks there just, you know, getting the junk out. So I, One of the focuses is on organic foods. And I always say, you know what, let's meet where you're at. I don't expect you to get everything organic, but whatever you can afford, get the highest quality of whatever you can. So that's one of the big concepts in that section. And then we also work on getting snacks out in that first couple of weeks. So those are two big take homes in, in the P part.
0: Yeah. And let me just before you move on to the next one. I think that's terrific because I, I always say fasting is like a muscle, right? You're so spot on when you say, okay, somebody hears about fasting and Jennifer Aniston does fasting. I'm going to do 48 hours fasting tomorrow. But it's like, okay, hearing about CrossFit and you're, you've been a couch potato for 10 years and you go and you go to the CrossFit gym and do a 60 minute workout, that's gonna mess up your body. You're gonna hurt yourself. Very similar to what you're saying here. If you've been eating every two to three hours high carbohydrate, processed foods, and you fast just 18 hours, but even, four, even 24 to 48, you're gonna feel awful and you're gonna do more harm than good. You need to build up the fasting muscle just like a marathon. You train for your marathon. You didn't just go run a marathon. You first you did, you know, uh, one mile and then a five k, and then you kind of build up from there. So this two week protocol, which is the the P, preparing your body by eliminating the snacks, getting quality food, getting some of the seed oils out, and getting that fasting muscle primed and ready to go. So then when you begin fasting, you're off on the right foot. So you feel good versus feeling awful.
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: So great protocol.
1: Yeah. So then the, the E stands for extend fast. So that's where we just start extending that fasting muscle a little bit more. And some of the, the big take-homes from that one is to stop eating after dinner. So we've taken the snacks out. We've stopped eating after dinner, which can be very challenging for a lot of yeah. people.
0: So what would you recommend? I mean, if somebody's like, okay, I, I want to stop eating after dinner, but then I find myself at 9pm watching Netflix and... I just keep eating something. What are some tips for that person?
1: Yeah. I I always like to to figure out what your trigger is and to figure out if it's an emotional. Thing or a physical, like is it a physical hunger or is it an emotional hunger? Usually it's emotional. If you've had if you've eaten dinner, usually it's just you have to figure out what that trigger is and remove it for a while. Or for
0: me, it's peanut butter is my trigger food. It. <laughs> so it's not in my house.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and those who've listened to my podcast and followed me know that diet soda is a huge like that is something I cannot have in my house, or I will drink it. And I know I, mean, I can know how detrimental it is. It's not. It's not a matter of knowledge. It's just, yeah, we all have those things. Um, So yeah, so figure out the trigger, remove it, replace it. And that can sometimes be easier said than done. And if it's an actual physical hunger, then, you know, the the next step is to really look at that nutrition and see like, are you balancing things correctly? And then just Mm -hmm. to be patient with yourself too, because it is a transition and while you're, Going from sugar burner or fat burner, those cravings can be pretty high sometimes. Um, But yeah, there's there's lots of different. And then you know sometimes we'll try electrolytes with people, hydration, all of those things. But but usually it's and then you know I I, I'll admit like sometimes I'll I've worked with people who are just beyond my realm, and it's it's more of a mental.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: That they need to go see a therapist for.
0: Yep. So for me, so what works for me and what did work for me, because I used to be a really late night eater, is uh, like you said, getting those electrolytes up, making sure you have enough minerals, because that's going to be important. When you're mineral deficient, electrolyte deficient, it could show up as like a, a hunger or a craving. So that's number one. And then getting enough protein in at that final meal is number two. So that goes to your point with getting enough macros, the right macros brushing my teeth right after dinner as well, because I don't want to brush my teeth twice. So it's like, ah, if I eat that, I already brushed my teeth, I got to it again. And then I always look at, say I'm going to do something. So the, de- the definition of discipline is giving yourself a command and following it, which is so easy to say and have the intention. But once you're in the thick of it, much harder to do. So the perfect example is here, okay, after I'm done eating at 7pm, The command I'm giving myself is that I'm done eating until the next morning. But then you're in it, you know, and you start having those thoughts, you start thinking about the cookies in your cupboard or whatever it is, and you kind of like, should I go get it? Should I not? So for me, I always think about those thoughts that are persuading me, convincing me to go off track from what I said I was going to do as my paradigm uh, of these like set of habits that are just deep underneath me that are, you know set to kind of sabotage you in a way because it's these learned behaviors. So I look at the paradigm as like this bastard. (laughs) like, And I tell the the paradigm in my head, like, you're not going to win paradigm. Like, I got this. So I I actually have those conversations in my head. So for me, that helps. Somebody might be more extreme. And to your point, they got to go speak to a therapist and all that. But for me, it's getting my protein up, electrolytes up, talking to my paradigm and brushing my teeth after dinner. That's what works for me. What about you? Like, What are some things that you personally do to prevent the late night eating?
1: Yeah, I'll take it one step further than brushing. I floss, and then it really ah. <laughs> you really don't want. Me to too.
0: Like, That's part of it too. Yep. Yeah. Go
1: back and do that. But yeah, I used to be a night eater. Not as much so as like I was more so get up, and I felt like I had to eat right away.
0: Okay. So you were like a first thing in the morning. Yes,
1: and okay. I, I'm an early riser, so that can that can be just as detrimental. as Starting your day eating at five or six a.m. So for, yeah. So for me, the brushing and the flossing was very helpful. And, but I think the biggest part was just when I started eating more protein and fat, I eat my heaviest meal around lunchtime, like anywhere from late morning to late or mid afternoon, somewhere in there. And I'm just like, I'll eat a light dinner and I'm just not hungry, but it took a while. It used to, you know, I used to be one of just like most women where you feel like, oh, I can't eat, I can't eat, I can't eat. And then you're binging. So setting yourself up, getting nourished early enough in the day. And I think some of it just works with your natural rhythms too, mm-hmm. like if you're a morning person versus night person. But um, yeah, it's so habitual. And I remember like my pregnancies where were the times where I was like, oh, I'm pregnant, I can have ice cream tonight or popsicles or whatever it is for me, it's completely habitual, but the habit forms very quickly. Like it's like two nights of ice cream and all of a sudden it's like, and I know for me too, it helps. Like some people don't want to draw others in for support. They just want to be quiet about it. And like, Oh, I don't want anybody to know I'm starting this new thing because then if you fail, you're embarrassed. But for me, it really helps to pull other people in and be like, hey, you know, I'm trying to work on this. Can you support me with that? And so even just having one close person in your corner when you feel like you're going to go off the rails can be extremely helpful. And just confide in that one person say, hey, you know, there's a habit that I'm trying to break. Can you be my my go-to person while I'm trying to work through this is that's really
0: great. Cool. Tip. Yeah, accountability. Accountability can be huge. So I love that. So that's the P prepare your body for fasting. And then you said E was extend your fasting. So how do you begin that? What's the first step there?
1: Yeah. So that's where we cut out the night eating. Um, we've gone without the snacks. And then, you know, probably the most popular thing is just to start inching that time back in the morning that you're eating so that you're going a little bit longer. So I I you know, coach people that way. Or if they really like to eat in the morning, then they just stop, you know, close their window a little bit sooner at nighttime. And of course, this is kind of general. It just depends on the person, what their goals are, what they're trying to accomplish. But but that's what we talk about in that E part is just slowly getting into it, not pushing yourself too far, but being realistic too, like if you've been sick for a really long time and you have severe metabolic issues, your protocol or you know, your strategies are going to be different than somebody who is at a healthy weight and just wants to extend their longevity or you know feel as good as possible.
0: So that's the P, that's the E, and then you have the A. So that I see here is alter nutrition as needed. Explain that one.
1: Yeah, so that's where we just deep dive into nutrition. So now you've been at it for about a month or so. And some people really want to just hit the fasting hard. Some people want to hit the nutrition hard. Both are important. But it's funny because a lot of the clients that I work with have decent nutrition. They have the foundations there. They just need a little bit of tweaking. I honestly don't work with a ton of clients who are like, eating all trash. Like usually the clients that I'm working with are eating pretty well. It's just some fine tuning. So that's where we look at what's working, what's not working. With women, I'm almost always increasing their protein because almost all of them are not eating enough and that's not a focus for them. And and we've been so ingrained with the plant base and I don't have issues with people eating plants. It's just when they're not eating protein and natural fats, which are, the foundations of hormone building and building neurotransmitters and building our bodies, basically, that they're going to be ill and hungry. So that's where we just go and tweak what whatever needs to be tweaked. And now I will admit, um, when I wrote the book, I, I know I write about the seed oils and getting natural fats in there. But it was one of those things that you almost forget about because it's so new. Like it's new for me as a dietitian because when I first came out, I was teaching people to eat those crappy seed oils. Like, oh, canola oil's great. (laughs) And it's just been in the last year to two years that I'm really trying to focus people to get those out of their diets because they have no idea that they're as inflammatory as they are and can be impeding their fat burning and weight loss. And Healing overall. So that's something new that I really, in that section, really take a, a deeper look at is the seed oils.
0: Yeah, so important. And and it's, you, you're right, we're always learning and evolving. And the seed oil part is very, very important. And you're right about the protein. A lot of men and women under eat the protein. And, and uh, protein is so important, whether you're doing keto or not. It's just most people are not getting enough protein. And if you're doing a, a vegan, a plant based approach, the protein in, in plants is different than the protein in, in animals, right? There's incomplete proteins in plants. You ha- kind of have to be strategic with that. But, but animal based protein has complete protein, highly absorbable. You get more bang for your buck. So just throwing that out there for anybody who's doing a vegan approach, I'm not saying don't do it, but just keep in mind you have to be really smart with how you get all the aminos out in one meal. So that's altered nutrition as needed. That's A. Now we have the C, which is clean, uh, challenge, and change. Speak about that.
1: Yeah. And, and just going back to the protein real quick, it's super frustrating for me. As it, like I, I get all of these emails and updates from the Academy of Dietetics and nutrition professionals. And without fail, they'll always be like, oh, this is a good source of protein. Or this plant source is a good source of protein. Or they'll say something like, women aren't getting enough protein. Here are some good sources. Fish. And then they'll they'll list some plant-based sources. Maybe they'll put soy or maybe eggs, but never ever red meat. Never. Like it's I have so many screenshots saved of all (laughs) of these just messages that that are so skewed and so. So yeah, so we, we definitely have a lot of work to do. But yeah, the C is for clean challenge and change. So we talk about like clean fasting, if you're getting stuck, Maybe you need to make sure that your fast is clean and you're not stimulating insulin at some point during your fast. And then challenge days really work well, especially for people who've been sick for a long time or have pretty severe metabolic issues, prediabetes, diabetes type 2, PCOS, heart disease, just saying, okay, I'm doing 18 hours of fasting most days. Let's pick one day this week where I'm going to be busy and do a 24 hour fast, see how it goes. And then a couple of weeks from there, let's do a 36 hour fast. Not that everybody's gotta do these long fasts, but if you have pretty severe insulin resistance, it might take some extended fast to really turn that around and see healing and bring you to your goals and bring you to your goals a little bit quicker than if you just did 17, 18 hours. And 17, 18 hours can work well for a lot of people but some people just aren't going to see a lot of improvement or see a lot of weight loss with that because they have pretty severe insulin resistance so and then change is for just changing up your routine and not doing mm. the same thing. I'm guilty of it myself. It's like something works <laughs> You're-
0: yeah we're, we're creatures of habit yeah
1: and and you just do it, keep doing the same thing and it might work for a long time but then it's like oh well if I'm not seeing benefit, what can I change up to make yeah, my so body adapt.
0: So important. That's it. Make the body adapt. Always changing up. All the great fitness coaches and personal trainers know that. Uh, The reason P90X, which is that uh, workout program, it's like muscle confusion. It's like one day you're doing upper body and the other day you're doing a different part of your body. High rep, low weight, and then vice versa. Keeps the body adapting. So it's very similar to what you're saying here. Change up your fasting routine. Change up the foods you're eating. Change up your workout. Just makes it up make the body adapt. That adaptation is what creates really great things in in the human body. So I love that. If you're anything like me, you spend a lot of money on supplements each month. Have you ever thought these supplements are actually working for you? Are they attaching to your receptor sites and helping your cells do a specific job? What if you're not getting enough minerals? Or what if you have too much of something creating an imbalance in other minerals? Knowing this will not only save you money, but it'll also improve your health you could balance out the vitamins and minerals that you really need with that being said how the heck do you know if you have a mineral imbalance what i'm bringing you today is a chance to accurately test all of that at the comfort of your home in this case i'm talking about my friends over at upgraded formulas and their upgraded hair test kit and consultation when you discover the truth here and what's going on with your body you can vanquish any of those hidden deficiencies that are affecting your metabolism, thyroid, adrenals, mental performance, endurance, strength, and sleep, just to name a few. I've had Barton Scott on the show before, and he gave a masterclass on minerals. How this works is simple. You are sent a test kit, and you use some of your hair. You just cut off a short piece of your hair. It could be on your head or pubic hair. You send it back to them and they have your results. They also offer a consultation to go over your results with you. It's simple, it's effective, and it's one of the best tests to know if what you're doing is working for you or not. If you'd like to get your hands on their deficiency test and consultation, head to UpgradedFormulas.com. Use the coupon code KETOCAMP15 to receive 15% off your entire order. That is UpgradedFormulas.com. Use the coupon code Keto camp 15 at checkout. We'll also drop a link down below. Now we have one more letter, which is the E, ease your mind. How do we do that?
1: Yeah, so ease your mind in that fifth and final stage. And when I was when I was laying the book out and laying the acronym out, I'm like, do I do this first or do I do it last? <laughs> it's so foundational. Uh, but E is for ease your mind. And that's all about focusing on good sleep, and stress management, because without those two being healthy, you're going to struggle. So that's where it's like, okay, I've implemented all of these things. My nutrition is keyed in. I'm I'm doing some fasting, doing some challenge days. I'm hydrated. I'm still stuck. Like, what do I need to look at? And that's where Like with all my clients, if I work one on one, it's like, okay, sleep and stress. That's always one of the very first things I ask them about because they're so foundational and, you know, it'll it'll basically whack out your hormones. Yeah. (laughs) If either one of them, and it's like a lot of times it's like stress leads to sleep deprivation or sleep deprivation leads to stress. So they're so interconnected. And I would say it's probably been in the last, five years that I've really made a point of protecting my sleep. And, you know, I had three little kids for a long time. And <laughs> it was really hard to sleep well when they were little, but yeah, I, I just prioritize it. And I used to let it get to me when people would Cause I've I've never been a night person. I'm like, I'm pretty much junk by nine or 10 o'clock. And I'll be like, okay, I'm ready for bed. And people <laughs> say, oh, too. grandma's going to bed. <laughs> like, I don't feel bad, but like, no, like I know what's right for me and my body. I know I wake up before six every day. So this is what my body needs to function at peak capacity. <laughs> so this is what I'm doing.
0: So so important to know that. Same thing with me. I I, I don't function well after 9 p.m. Uh, if it was up to me, I would go to bed around 8:30 or 9. But then my fiance would get pissed, so we go to bed at 10. Kind of like, you know meeting in the middle there. She's more of a night person. So uh, yeah, it's so important. Sleep and stress. I agree. Foundational. In the peace acronym, you could do all the other things. The P E A. Uh, C, but if you don't have the E dialed in, then it's not going to work to the extent that you want it to work because that sleep, the stress, if you're like you just said, poor sleep leads to stress, stress leads to binge eating and just not feeling well. And then stress leads to poor sleep and then just a vicious cycle. So those are foundational. And your book covers all of this and and much, much more. I mean, the book gets into insulin resistance, into autophagy, into different, you know, speaking, speaking of variations of fasting, you have different types of fasting in the book. I think it's a great book, uh, Shana, because not only do you have the science and you have the references in here, but this is kind of like the day to day person could read this versus the obesity code, which I love. Like you said, amazing book. And we love Dr. Fung, but it's a little, it's a little deep and you got to put on that science cap. This has the science, but it's very relatable and easy to read. So you did a great job with the book and I know it's available on Amazon. Is there anywhere else you want them to go get the book?
1: Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. And and that's how I set to write it. I'm like, I want somebody to be able to pick this up and know nothing about anything medical and be able to, to have some applicable steps to put into play. So I I appreciate that. Um, Yeah. And most people say like, I I got through your book in a couple of days and I was ready to implement. Like that's the goal. (laughs) I don't, I don't want you sitting there reading it for a month and not being able to implement it. So yes, it's the Kindle and the paperback are on Amazon. I sell the digital copy along with some other digital resources on my website which is fastaheal.info, And that's a great way to get things implemented too, because I include like a, a 28 day accountability calendar where people can you know, have have a day-to-day task to work on while they're implementing things in the book. And then there's also a workbook that is not available on paperback. It's just the digital version that they can get along with the book that again, helps you apply and think through the process um, rather okay, I'm going to start this tomorrow. Like, I don't, I don't really have a plan, but <laughs> so that helps you work through like, what am I going to do for meal planning? What am I going to do for support? What am I going to do when I'm in a fast and I really don't think I'm going to make it through? Like, what are some steps or what's, what are some things that I can do in this process to help me work through problems before they come? <laughs>
0: That's great. So your website is uh, fasttoheal.info. If you want to get that additional guide and your digital book, you can find that there along with other information on your website. You have your podcast, which is the Fast to Heal Stories podcast. Uh, I was on there. You've got awesome guests on there. So go subscribe to that. Anywhere else you want them to go check you out, Instagram or anywhere else.
1: I'm very active on Instagram. I've slowly learned that platform. <laughs>
0: I have <a> teenage
1: <laughs> daughter, so so she she helped me get up and running, but it's like I'm a practitioner. <laughs> so so the tech was a little overwhelming for the podcast and social. But yeah, you can find me on Instagram at shanna.husson.rdn, and then my website's info. I no longer do a whole lot of one-on-one coaching, but I do have lots of digital programs. Some are kind of the big gamut of everything that's covered in my book. And then I I also have one that's that's focused just on mealtime. So while I've worked with clients over the last several years with intermittent fasting, and I teach low carb as well, coming under a hundred grams to start with and then kind of tweaking. But the biggest frustration that they've had is the eating window. So I, I developed a, an online program just for that, like some five lessons that teach you how to really master that eating window because that's what really seems to get people. And if you can't master that, it's hard to master the fast and, and vice versa. So that can be found on fast healinfo as well.
0: Awesome. We're going to put your website below. We'll put the Amazon link as well. Also, a link for we'll put the link for the your podcast, the one that I was on. I'll put that link down below as well. Go get the book, Fast to Heal. Go subscribe to the Fast to Heal Stories podcast. And Shannon, I want to thank you for uh, coming on the show and sharing your story about Hunter, your son, your personal story, your awesome book. And uh, I acknowledge you for being in that conventional space in the trenches and raising questions and finding the answers and making a big pivot. And now you're helping a lot more people because you're getting to the cause. So thank you for what you do and how you show up in this world. And thanks for writing the book as well. It's going to serve so many people.
1: Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Shanna. Go get her book. It's available on Amazon. We'll drop a link down below. It's called Fast to Heal. Obesity and chronic illness can be put into remission, and it really can. She's right, and she outlines this in a really scientific way, but it's easy to read. You could read this in a, a day or two, and in just a few hours, as a matter of fact, like I did, and you're really going to love the information in her book. Go subscribe to her podcast, which is Fast to Heal Stories podcast. I was on there, and there's many other amazing guests on there as well. Go follow her on social media. We'll drop links down below for all of her information, including her website and social media. And we are putting detailed notes down below in the podcast notes with everything we spoke about. If this episode was beneficial to you, please consider sharing it with a friend, somebody you know who's struggling with insulin resistance, diabetes, obesity. They could really get this information and it can make a big difference in their life. So copy and paste the link and text it to somebody and say, hey, I think you'd enjoy this conversation. If you have not left the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and review yet on Apple Podcast, please do so right now and go get registered for my free webinar all about the four secrets to keto over at ketosismasterclass.com. We'll drop a link in the podcast notes for you to get signed up for free. Thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. I will see you on the next one.